Madison, welcome to the Tennis One podcast. How are you feeling? I am very excited to be a part of this. It's going to be the first Tennis One podcast in the app, and I couldn't be more excited to co-host alongside you, Patrick. Yeah, and first in the app, but first for both of us, right? You haven't uh, you haven't done any podcasts that I don't know about. I have never done a podcast. I've been a guest on one podcast, but I've never actually been able to host one myself, so I'm very excited for this. Yeah, we're, uh, we're joining the club here, you know, we're not the first to do a podcast as it turns out, but... Uh... But no, it's it's fun. You and I both listen to podcasts constantly and uh, think this is long overdue. And as, as both big tennis fans, it, it just makes sense, right? So, uh, Definitely. so yeah, let's um, let's just you know, kind of for new listeners, let's let's give a little background on ourselves um, and, and what what we do at Tennis One. Uh, my name is Patrick Kuehl. I am 29 years old and I work for Tennis One app. I live in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and. Uh, yeah, I've been with Tennis One for just under two years now. I, I used to work at Wilson Sporting Goods marketing tennis rackets before this. So, um, you know, I've only been out of college like seven years, but I've, I've worked in tennis the whole time and been very lucky. Uh, played college tennis as well, Division Two at Quincy University, and, and my dad teaches tennis for a living. So I just can't, I can't escape the sport. Um, but it's, yeah, very fortunate to, to work in tennis and, you know, at Tennis One, it's a startup. So I could tell you what's my one job at tennis one, you know, we all kind of do a lot of different things. Um, so, you know, marketing the app, posting to social media, doing podcasts, uh, running what you actually see on the home screen. You know, there's so many different things going to tournaments and covering them as journalists, which I think is what you and I most enjoy as two aspiring journalists. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's been really fun to work here and, I know we're both super excited to, to do this podcast and kind of just get into, um, you know, just uh, becoming, I guess, journalists, right? And, and just kind of uh, covering covering the sport we really like. So, uh, yeah, why, Madison, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, much of the same for me, as you just said, Patrick. Obviously, Tennis One being a startup, we get to wear kind of a lot of different hats at this organization. But my main focus is on-camera hosting traveling to tournaments, being able to do the player interviews. I do some editing. So like Patrick mentioned, doing this podcast really showcases kind of both what we're leaning towards and we're really excited to be a part of this. Um, I'm from Colorado originally. I live in Minneapolis now. I was a big hockey fan before I got into Tennis One. Obviously, I've always followed tennis, but more from afar. So being able to cover it really closely these last few years has been a truly unforgettable and incredible experience in a sport that I never dreamed that I would be able to cover because it is so tight knit. So I feel super honored and lucky to work alongside you, Patrick, and work, be a part of this really small, but mighty tennis one app team. Totally. You know, we, uh, we're super lucky, even though it is, it's a startup, it's a small company. We've gotten awesome opportunities to go to some of the biggest tennis tournaments there are, you know, and, and cover them and interview the best players in the world. And, you know, for me, that's that's amazing because I grew up with tennis. And uh, but, you know, Madison, you said you came from hockey. And so kind of just jumping in and immediately getting to, you know, talk to the best players in the world. What, what has that kind of been like for you? Yeah, it's br truly been a whirlwind. And I think that because I hadn't 
come from tennis. I didn't necessarily understand how big of a deal it was at first. Obviously, now that I've been around it for the last few years, yes, it's huge. And I do get a little more nervous for interviews. But being able to, you know, see these incredible athletes, and I think you don't really appreciate the sport as much until you get to see it in person. You don't understand what these players are going through on court and how long these matches can be. And just they're out there by themselves. It's so individual. Even doubles can be individual. I mean, so just watching them in person and being able to go to these events in person has been truly so special. And I feel really, like you mentioned, really honored and lucky that we're able to do this for our job and get to speak with some of these amazing athletes. 100%. I, I think you hit it right on the head that saying that you don't really see it unless you're you're right up close sometimes tv sort of doesn't do it justice just how hard they're hitting the ball how fast they're moving um you know we're we're lucky that we're when we go to these tournaments we're media uh and a lot of times we're actually working for the tournament as like their official app so we get to sit courtside a lot of the times to to sort of take notes on what's happening and uh yeah it's it's just incredible I, i've seen tv trying some new camera angles to try to get lower because the lower you are, instead of kind of that overhead view, um, the lower you are, you can really start to see how hard they're hitting, how hard they're working. Uh, so yeah, that's that's really cool, really cool to see. But uh, yeah, let's uh, let me just sort of preview this this podcast in general, just so people know what they're gonna get from listening to this. You know, this is not the first tennis podcast. There are a lot of them out there, many that I listen to as well. Uh, but I think you know, the most important thing with this is this is not going to be a X's and O's podcast. You know, we're not talking tennis strategy for the most part, you know, who's got a good forehand and why that's going to help them in this specific matchup. And that, you know, this is really sort of bigger picture generalist, I would say Uh, we, you know, frankly, we want to talk about the things that the most people care about, right? Because that's what's fun to listen to. You know, that's, uh, I know the podcasts I listen to outside of tennis ones, that's, what I like is, is kind of hearing, hearing from people on, on things that we all talk about. So, you know, we're going to be talking about, of course, the players, the places where these tournaments happen. We go to a lot of them, the clothes they're wearing, who's sponsored by what, uh, what rackets are they using? You know, I, I used to work at Wilson, so I, I kind of know a little bit about the behind the scenes of, of pro players and their gear, top headlines, you know, during the slams, uh, even, you know, the history of tennis. Cause I, I think that sometimes gets lost a little bit in our, our uh, millennial Gen Z, you know, we kind of <laughs> act like if it didn't happen while we were alive, it didn't happen, but uh, right. I think Brush it under the rug. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's important to, to kind of talk about that. And, uh, and I think a big part of this podcast that will be really fun for you and I are, are doing lists. Uh, so that's, you know, let's, let's talk about the top five, this or our favorite 10 things that happened here. And, and, you know, just kind of going back and forth with those. And I think it'll be a really fun thing for us and as well as for people to listen to. So with that said, do you want to get into it? Yeah, absolutely. And like you mentioned, we're going to talk a lot with lists throughout this podcast. And we decided what better way to start off our episode, our very first episode of the Tennis One podcast with lists. So we're going to actually go back and talk about our top five favorite moments in 2022. All right, at my number five, I have the Isla Tomjanovic and Serena Williams match. Serena's final match. Patrick, I do want to talk to you a little bit about this after I go through my points because you were actually there in person. So we'll get to that in just a few. But that match was honestly one of the most like emotional matches to watch as a fan. It, and I was I was not there. 
Um, I was literally watching it on my computer because that's the only way that I can watch ESPN. Um, and it was honestly the most incredible display of tennis that I've seen in a really long time. I thought Isla handled it so, so professionally. I have so much respect for her. I loved her as a player before that. And I have even more respect for her after that, because going into that, I mean, you know, we've seen her being teased in this new Netflix documentary. And she's saying how she was such the underdog in that match and to go out against Serena, you know, obviously a crowd favorite being in the U S but also it's Serena Williams. Of course, she's going to be a crowd favorite. It goes to three sets, but they both played so well. Serena really put on a show. Um, her outfit was incredible. Just the way that she spoke was amazing. And then, you know, just at the end of the match, when she talked about her sister and they showed, you know, the montages, it was truly an incredible display of athleticism and, and respect on both parts. And I, I, I really admired that match. So Patrick, I want you to tell us a little bit about being there in person. And you got to see a couple Serena matches there at the U S open this year, but just your experience. Yeah. Uh, I, I was at the three matches she played this year, uh, covering the tournament for tennis one and totally unlike any match I've ever been at Serena in New York is, is an entirely different that it's unlike anything in tennis uh you know obviously serena plays tournaments all over the world but when she's in new york with that crowd there's just so much there's so much hype there's so much like drama obviously you know she's had a lot of success there uh she's american but like even as the year's gone on and you know she's getting closer to the record and stuff every time she plays there it's like oh is this gonna be the one she does it at so, you know like it so there's just so much hype. And then obviously, you know, she announced the retirement beforehand. So it just compounded that, that hype. And those matches were just, they were all crazy. It was so loud. It was by far the loudest tennis match I've ever been at. I, I didn't even seem like it was a tennis match because it was so loud, you know, and, and the U S opens famous for being loud. There's, it's, there's never dead quiet there. Like Wimbledon, it's always like uh, just a constant hum of sound when you're in Arthur Ashe, especially since they they put the roof on and kind of, you know, the acoustics are even more closed in. But it was it was just so loud. And obviously she she lost at Wimbledon this year. Uh, first round, I believe, to Harmony Tan. And so, you know, she that's not how she wants to go out at the U.S. Open, right, especially if it is her last one. And to you know, win those first two matches, the, the second one against uh, Annette Contevit, who who was ranked two in the world, I think at the time. You know, Tiger Woods is in Serena's box. <laughs> like it, it was just crazy, <laughs> and and you felt so bad for these players she's beating because like they're they're really nice people, and I've never seen such one sided crowds. You know, it was like ninety eight percent of people probably more than that you know it's really just the other player's box that was rooting for that player and you know that, that you can you can really see if you saw like Annette Contevit's press conference after and how how much she was affected by it you know it was it was tough for her to to play in that environment as it would be for anyone and I think that really helped Isla Tomjanovic you know seeing how how that you know to kind of be ready for that like wow I, I see how much how hard that was for Annette so now you know I I kind of even know more what to expect going into it um and she just battled and it was so mentally tough and that match was it was like everybody was hanging on every point you know Arthur <laughs> Ashe is crazy. like crazy 
Yeah, it's like it's the biggest tennis stadium, you know, by far. And when you sit up pretty high, which which I was for that last match, I was very high. It's it's kind of hard to be interested in the match when you're that high up. You know, you're like, oh, I'm just going to get on my phone or whatever, because like it's so far. You, you like literally hear the ball. You hear the shot like a second after you actually see it hit because you're so high up in the sound. It just takes a while to travel that high. But like. I was actually with my dad and we just were like every single point, like totally locked in because it was so dramatic. And uh, yeah, anyway, I'll, uh, yeah, it was, it was quite a, quite an experience and yeah, a great show for Serena. It would have been cool to see her keep that one going because it was winnable, but yes, you know, it was, but went out, went out the way she should. Do you think she's actually done though? I wanted to ask you that real quick before you get into your you know, it's tough. I mean, we, we saw Venus was playing just to, to start this year at 42 and, uh, you know, like she was actually doing pretty well. She almost made the quarters of, of, um, Adelaide, the Adelaide international one. And, you know, so the, the difference being here is that Serena's married and has a daughter and, you know, if they want to have another, another child, then that's a, you know, that could, that could push it out if she did, you know, want to keep going, but, I don't know. I, maybe she has one more, one more big tournament, you know, maybe she really gets the itch depending what's going on with her personal life. And all of a sudden Wimbledon's rolling around and like, does she want to, you know, give it one more go. I remember she said talking to tiger that she, well, he said, you should just for two weeks straight practice every day, you know, a hundred percent and see how you feel at the end of the two weeks and, and use that as kind of a, you know, gut check, like, do I think at this level I can, you know, do some damage in a tournament? So, you know, I I think that's a possibility, but it also felt like she, she kind of, and she even said it, she doesn't really know how to say goodbye because just all she's known since she was, you know, two or three years old or whatever she was when she started playing. So it's, it's hard to walk away from that, especially when you're the best at something in the world, you know, you go from being the best at one thing to like, you know, what, what (laughs) almost commonplace everything else. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. I couldn't even imagine, but very fun to watch her this year. Yeah. So that was, that was a, that was a great number five. That's uh, I I can't wait to see what what you got for four, three, two, and one, because that's a strong start, (laughs) you know, stronger. I'll admit that's stronger than my number five, but uh, I had Miami open for number five. Because, you know, tennis one, that's, that's our biggest tournament that we get to cover, you know, all the, all the best players are there for the most part. So working, it's, it's really cool to, to see those, see those players get the chance to interview them. Great team down at Miami with, with IMG, the the group that runs it, just awesome people that make you really feel a part of it. But the results of the tournament were so cool, you know, um, Alcaraz winning the men's, it was his first masters 1000 and, and Sviantec winning, as well and, and kind of sort of inheriting, but, but proving she deserved the number one ranking with, with Ash Barty mm-hmm. retiring. Um, yeah. You know, that was really cool to kind of see her get the number one ranking trophy there. And, and people were there to congratulate her on court. Some of, you know, Lindsay Davenport and some other, some other um, James Blake famous players. And it was, yeah, it was just really cool. And, you know, Alcaraz kind of seeing what he was like, as a, as a person for the first time, you know, he's such a good guy. Like the, the number he stayed so long after every match to sign as many autographs oh. as were being requested. 
Uh, he, like at one point he had been riding the bike after a match, kind of cooling down, like probably 20 minutes after he had signed his last autograph. And this little kid was just like, Carlos, Car-, like yelling at him from across <laughs> oh the, oh my gosh, from across where the, the kid was and kind of the fan area. And he like got off the bike, jogged over, like took a picture with the kid, signed it, signed his hat. And, uh, it just like, yeah, you, you could see how good of a, a guy he is and, that so yeah for me that was that was cool and then to kind of see the run he had was yeah which I may talk about later so (laughs) well I mean just the fact that you got to see both him and Iga and then you know look at where they ended the year and that was you know April that's pretty cool that they continued their success stories and you know made even better and finished on top both of them so yeah the tournament was kind of a kind of a microcosm for the season you know and uh and Iga had won a lot of tournaments going into Miami. So it was like, she had already sort of started to dominate. Um, and that was kind of like almost a capstone on it. Um, and then obviously one Roland Garros after that. And so yeah, anyway, uh, that was, that was my number five Miami open. What was, uh, let's go to number four. What do you got? Yeah, that was a great number five. I have for my number four, Nick Kyrgios Wimbledon run. I mean, That was so fun to watch. He is a player, obviously a controversial one, but a player that is just so fun to watch. Even when he's getting angry on the court, I don't know. I just, I love, I love to watch him. I love it when he goes far in tournaments. And I think you, people love him or hate him, but they, they want to watch him. So the fact that he played Novak in the final, I mean, he put on a good show. It was a tough match for him, obviously, but he and just the fact that he and Novak, you know, had their differences before and then kind of came together and were talking about going out at after Wimbledon and that it was going to be on Novak Djokovic's dime. I mean, I, I, it was really fun to watch. I'm I was excited for him. And I think that he's kind of someone that you don't really see a lot in tennis and especially like me coming, you know, knowing the, obviously the big three and Serena and kind of these class act tennis players, he kind of brings a different little spice to the game so i appreciate that he's very fun to watch so that was my number four was him making it all the way to the wimbledon final and putting on a good show yeah i mean coming from outside of tennis had you had you heard of him before you started working at tennis one i did hear of him but like it was you know kind of before he climbed started climbing the rankings right like Mm -hmm. i had heard of him and i knew him because i have a couple friends who follow tennis closely and like obviously when i would watch the slams you know his name would pop up but yeah definitely came on strong you know when i started and just watching kind of his climb to success has been really fun yeah he uh i mean he's never had like a consistent ranking right because he um in the past he's (laughs) kind of one of those guys that got up for the for the big matches but sometimes not so much with the smaller matches and you know had injuries because he didn't really have a, a coach or like you know he he kind of was famous for always saying like i don't stretch and stuff like that um so yeah kind of a character but but obviously super intriguing and um fun to watch so yeah that's a that's a good number four um it's too bad that there weren't ranking points because i know he didn't, he didn't really end up benefiting from that from that where he deserved to be in the yeah, rankings <laughs> like best result of his career so that's a you know obviously novak didn't either but novak is he's, he's, Novak. <laughs> he's the number one uh quite sometimes so right yeah okay uh number four i have alcaraz's u.s open run um love it you know like i think we're all kind of waiting for a player to step up that's not part of the big three 
and watching Alcaraz even at Miami, it, it kind of felt like he could be the guy. You know, there's been other times where that has seemed to be the case, whether it's been like Sitsipas or or Zverev or or Team, you know, before he got hurt. And, and Team, you know, did win the U.S. Open against Zverev in 2020. But, you know, if Djokovic isn't in the draw, it it's kind of, uh, you know, it, it just doesn't feel like, ah, you know. Like they're they're over the hump. Like you want to see them beat the very best to uh, to get that title. And and Djokovic wasn't at the U.S. Open either this year. But it I don't know. It kind of felt like Alvarez was just playing so well. It did feel authentic. And uh, you know, that he, he could have he could have won anyways. That he could have won anyways. I mean, he did beat Djokovic earlier in the year on clay. But uh, you know, Alvarez had like three five set match wins in that U.S. Open. That Sinner match was oh. crazy. Um, I don't, I don't know if you watched that, but uh, it, it was a late night match for sure. The really but, late one. I, I tried yeah. to make it. I don't think I quite made the end. <laughs> yeah, it was, I was super fun to watch. And then, you know, actually the final was a rematch of the Miami Open final with uh, playing Casper Ruud. And you know, I like both those guys. So me it too. Yeah, would have been cool either way, but. Yeah, to kind of see Alcaraz get his first slam and then become the number one ranked player in the world, that was that was pretty awesome um, and sort of answered some some questions we had. But we'll see. It, it's too bad he's not playing the Australian Open uh, because of this injury. Because yeah, we want to see we want to see him and Djokovic in the draw, healthy, to see what happens. I so. know we were so close too. I mean, it just yeah. always seems like there's something. I know that obviously injuries are incredibly common, but would have been yeah. really cool to see what he could have done in Australia. Yeah, uh, good. Yeah, for sure. And good news is he's young. So we'll, we'll see him back soon, but yeah, uh, yeah, I totally agree. And speaking of young players, my number three, I put the Naomi Osaka and Coco Goff match from the Mubadala Silicon Valley classic. Uh-huh. I picked that one because I was there in person yeah. and even though it was a smaller venue, it was absolutely electric and it was the coolest thing I've ever been a part of. Like they didn't even have enough seats for the media because it was so busy. Like I remember I was standing in the back corner of like this little area that the media could go in and I like could barely see, but I was still a part of it. It was so cool. They're both obviously so immensely talented young players. They, they both, you know, I feel like Naomi has, you know, come a long way with the press and just how she's able to speak to everybody now in the media and just kind of how she carries herself. Coco Goff is so mature beyond her years. She is an incredible athlete, an incredible person. Like being able to speak with her during that tournament was was really special. She's so engaged. She's so well-spoken. Um, they just both spoke so highly of each other in that match. And that was, I mean, that was a crazy, I think it was the semifinal, uh, maybe quarterfinals, but it was a really, really cool match. Um, did Coco win that one? She did. Yep. Yeah. Okay. She ended up, uh, it, I think it went, I think it was two sets, but it was close. It was a close okay. two setter. It, it was just a really, really fun match. And to see those two women who, you know, mean a lot to the sport and just are such good role models for, you know, young little girls playing tennis, looking up to them, uh, obviously upsetting about Naomi pulling out of the Australian open. I saw that. So, um, but yeah, both really fun to watch. It was a really very special atmosphere and it was completely sold out. And I think from then on, all the matches were sold out at that tournament. So it was really exciting for them. They had a great draw this year. So it was very cool to see. And I, 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 I really like watching the younger 
especially American players play so well. And like I said, Coco, such a great person. So that was a very fun experience to be a part of. So that's why it's my number three. Yeah, definitely. Coco is one of those players that, you know, we mentioned sitting like lower level and and really appreciating like how hard they're working and stuff. She, like you said, such an amazing athlete when you are sitting that low, like that close to the court and you watch her, you're just like, oh my gosh, like <laughs> she, she's maybe one of, one of the best athletes out there. Right. So, um, absolutely. If, if not the best and that that's kind of a good transition into my number three, because I have the Ash Barty walk off at the Australian open last mm. year as, as my number three, she was probably the best athlete in women's tennis. Uh, I, I was just watching some of the, the highlights from that, from some of the matches she played that, that tournament. I, I don't remember watching, but you know, frankly, frankly, just, I don't remember watching a women's player that just like, she has such variety, you know, like with her game, it, she was using so much slice and coming to the net and just like she had it all and was such a great athlete. You know, she's like a scratch golfer. She played, she left pro tennis to play pro rugby for a little bit and then came back. Like she's an insane athlete and she totally dominated the tournament despite, you know, how much pressure there was to, to win it as an Aussie. She didn't lose a set. The only, like in the final, it was the only set, I think that even went to a tiebreaker. All the other sets were like, you know, it was like six, two, six, two, and just stuff like that. She just totally dominated. I was, you know, it it sucks that, you know, it sucks that she retired, but, um, what a way to walk it off, you know, because like, you know, having one Wimbledon as well, which Australians always say that's kind of besides the AO, that's the one that they grow up watching and, and really want to win dream of winning. And, and she won both those and was just a totally dominant number one for the time that she was. And so, ah, uh, yeah, it's, it makes you wonder, obviously she's having a baby, so not That's anytime exciting soon for her. <laughs> yes. Great news for her, but, uh, man, it would be cool if, you know, maybe, maybe after she has the baby and, you know, a year or two, she maybe gets the itch to come back. Could be a really cool story, but if she doesn't, that was, that was an insane, insane walk off. And just like the emotion when she won against Collins. Oh my gosh. Oh, uh, you could tell how, how, how badly she wanted it. Yeah. So that, that was really cool for me. But, yeah. Uh, we, we miss watching her and like, but like you yeah. said, what a way, what a way to, what a way to leave. I mean, yeah. hopefully one day we might get to see her, you know, yeah. like a racket again, <laughs> or at least Fingers be a crossed. commentator. We'll take that too. I'll take it. Yeah. Cause I, I really like her as a person too. Yeah, I think I think the AO asked her to be a commentator this year and she, you know, she's having a baby. So she said no. Uh, she's she is like um, advising one of the young Aussies, I think, a little bit, but trying to trying to take it easy this this first full year in retirement anyway. So besides Get it. having a baby, obviously, I wouldn't <laughs> maybe that's not taking it easy, but <laughs> yeah, but, so. you know, yeah, exciting for her. Um, so I guess I can go ahead and transition into my number two moment. Um a player also from this place when Taylor Fritz took home the Indian Wells title. That's my number two. I was really, really excited watching him. I was able to go to the San Diego open in 2021 and there was quite the player field. He was one of the players that was there. He ended up losing, I think to Dennis Shapovalov in like the second round that year, but I got to speak with him once. He was a great person, gave really personable answers, played really well. And then just kind of seeing him, you know, the next when Indian Wells went back in March and taking home the crown and to do it against Rafa, 
although Rafa was injured a little mm-hmm. bit, maybe not at full capacity, but to do it again, you know, to play against someone that he grew up watching. He talked about growing up watching. He's from California, kind of doing it and getting it to do it in front of the home yeah. crowd. He had quite the few weeks in Indian Wells. It was really fun to watch. And I mean, I know that we've talked about this before Indian Wells, you know, the courts notably being a little bit slower and he's such a power server just to see him, you know, kind of overcome maybe a little bit of challenges that he had at the beginning of that tournament. He just played so well. He didn't really have any bad matches. I didn't think, Mm -hmm. and it was really cool. And just to see the emotion when he won, obviously, like, I know, I know it's exciting to win any tournaments and I know players get emotional, but watching him drop to the court and crying. I mean, I, I, it was just, it's, it was really exciting, especially being from California. So that's what I have in my number two, because I loved watching that. Yeah, that was, that was awesome. I mean, to win the biggest tournament, you know, where he's from basically against the all-time Grand Slam leader. I mean, is, uh, yeah, pretty, pretty amazing. You know, we said Rafa was hurt a little bit, but like with those guys, with Djokovic, Nadal, I mean, even if they're a little hurt, it doesn't matter. It's such a mental hurdle to get over, to beat those guys, you know, no matter what Rafa will never give up he'll he'll everything that he's got he's gonna throw out there so yeah. even if that's not a hundred percent it's still a lot it's still better than a lot of people so yeah yeah, uh, yeah. exactly so that it was, was still a pretty it was a good match it was a good match um yeah, yeah. but like yeah. you said obviously to play against him is pretty pretty that in itself is probably a true honor i'm sure for a lot of these players oh yeah definitely uh that's it's funny, we have really strong transitions between our lists because for my number two, I have Rafa winning the Australian Open last year in dramatic go. fashion. Uh, you know, he, like f- four months before the tournament, he's on crutches and you, you don't know, <laughs> like all of 2021, you know, after losing in the semis to Djokovic, it was like an insane match. The, f- the third set, I believe it was, was one of the best sets of tennis I've ever seen. Uh, but you could tell in, in the last set of that match that he was kind of injured. He only played like one or two matches, I think, at City Open after Roland Garros. And that, that was it for 2021. And so he's on crutches. You, you see like even a month before the tournament, he's not sure if he's going to be able to play. And then he comes in and goes on this run and, I mean, gets to the final. He's playing Medvedev down two sets to love. And he comes back and... I just like, I mean, you can never doubt the guy, but, but that match to me <laughs> was de- just like, yeah, <laughs> a I little mean, bit of doubt, <laughs> a little, a little bit. And, and, you know, he just knew like he wasn't at a hundred percent and, you know, Medvedev had won the major before that Australian open, he'd won the U S open against Djokovic. So Medvedev kind of feels like the guy to beat, you know, at that time. And for Rafa to come back two sets to love, I don't know why, but Rafa, I, I always remember the matches where he's up big and then loses that that happens a lot to him it seems like but to see him come back and win that was honestly super inspiring I like I've had some injuries in tennis and I remember last year after that match like I was coming off an ankle surgery myself and like when I was getting back into running and stuff I was just like god if Rafa can do that like I have to like I can do this you know I have to push through it (laughs) yeah it was just like Oh, geez. It like makes me tear up even thinking about that. So yeah, that was, that was really cool to see. And just like a great start to the year for tennis. Um, that's one of the things that's so fun about Australian open is just you're, you're fresh, ready for some, some good tennis. And, um, 
yeah, what a great result. So that was my such a fun way to start off the year in Australia. Who wouldn't want to be there, you know, in their yeah. summer at in January? <laughs> yeah, it looks great. Uh, the answer is no one. No one would not want to be there. So yeah. yeah, I wish I was there right now too. So uh, yeah, it's it's a great way. I I agree. That was one of that was a really special moment of 2022. Hard to believe that that was almost a year ago. I know, I know. It's going by fast. So here we are, fresh start to the year, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to see what happens at the Sao. But uh, we'll we'll talk about that a little later. So yeah, what, we'll what do you uh, what do you have for your top moment for yeah, 2022? Yeah. So my top moment came a little bit later in the year. I put down the Laver Cup just in general, Mm. because not only was it Roger Federer's farewell, but Team World upsets Team Europe for the first time ever. Mm -hmm. And I I mean, that that Laver Cup was absolutely unbelievable to watch. Obviously, Roger being the top story, of course, and it was so emotional and, you know, just seeing the emotions and all of these these guys and just the crowd and him like bawling, heaved over, like hysterically crying was something that you know I I could never picture him doing but the montage that they played I was in San Diego so I literally was watching it from the media room there and I still was crying because it doesn't matter what screen you see that on seeing that the display and just everything that he's accomplished in his career um and then to go out like that obviously they probably would have preferred to win the Labor Cup <laughs> yeah but uh yeah that was my that was my top moment of 2022 just because the legend retiring and then you know the upset was kind of fun and all of these guys you know I think I think they voted Felix MVP of that because he he really was clutch Tiafo obviously playing incredible and then Jack yep. Sock and him being able to beat Rafa and Roger in doubles insane Oof. yeah <laughs> tough tough for Roger but uh, <laughs> uh yeah tough to go out on a loss but I don't think anybody even thinks about that at this point, even after it happened, it was just like, and by the way, that is also my number one is the <laughs> Federer labor cup retirement. Um, yeah. It, you know, team world winning is awesome because they've never won it. They've been close several times and you, you honestly didn't think that this was going to be the one that they did win because like the team Europe had Federer, Nadal, Djokovic, Murray, like the big four on this team. And, you know, obviously not all of them are in their prime, but like you still just think, ah, oh, there's no way. But I think it kind of speaks to the what a strong format the Labor Cup has that even if it looks like one team is is really stacked uh, or it's a little lopsided, um, anything can happen in that format. And uh, so that was really cool. But yeah, the, the Federer retirement, um, like a lot of people, he's my favorite player by far. Uh, and yeah, to see that, I'm kind of like him. He he's a crier. You know, he's he's kind of he's kind of been famous for for crying in some big moments. Uh, whether it was winning certain slams or losing in the final to certain slams, like uh, yeah, he's he's an emotional guy. So that uh, I think that that hit everybody that night, especially you know just those famous pictures of Rafa and him. Like, geez, man, that was. Uh, you don't see that in other sports. You don't see like the absolute top rivals crying, holding hands like, geez. No. It's a, uh, yeah, that, that was an amazing moment. Like what a cool way to to go out. You know, I think we were talking to um, Chris Clary, the the New York Times writer for tennis at San Diego. And he, he wrote this biography about Federer that came out in like late 2021. So kind of good timing. He didn't know that he was going to retire, but but we were talking about it and he said, 
you know, it's kind of not the way that he probably wanted to go out that like, you know, he probably would have much rather, you know, could, could have been cool to win a slam and walk off or like at least go out in a real match with, you know, that wasn't sort of of his own making, but um, even losing to losing his last <laughs> match, a doubles match in a tournament that's really a glorified exhibition. It still just was like one of the most memorable uh retirements ever you know and so yeah that was that was an amazing moment and that's i think that's why we both had it as our number one yeah definitely you can't really top that like you said and he's such a well-received and well-liked player i mean people have their differences you know with novak or whatever but roger seems to be universally somebody that everybody respects everybody loves and yeah everybody knows it doesn't matter if you're a tennis fan or not you know who roger federer is so yeah, totally, cool. totally transcendent. And uh, yeah, no, no better role model for the sport. So oh. we'll, uh, we'll see. It's exciting that he, that he kind of said he's not going to be a ghost. He'll, he'll be around tennis. So we'll see what that looks like. Uh, but yeah, not, not anything at the AO, I guess he's not going to the Australian Open, but we'll see um, what, what kind of comes in the future for him. So yeah, any commentary maybe too for him would be cool. I yeah. would like that. Oh yeah. Everybody would love a little Fetter calling matches. I mean, that would be like, <laughs> that's even better than Tony Romo calling football, you know, seriously, I mean, like this guy's the, you know, to a lot of people to go. So that would yeah. be cool. We'll see, uh, see what happens. So definitely. Well, it'll be a sad 2023 without him, but oh, I know, I know, but you know what? We got a lot to look forward to in 2023, which is why we're going right into our top five moments for 2023 that we're looking forward to. Obviously we can't predict everything, but you know, knowing what we know right now, let's talk about what are the five things we're really excited for with 2023, starting with your number five. Yeah. So my number five, I put down rivalries. I don't care if they're new or old. I just like to see the rivalries. And I put down as one of my examples, Arena Sabalenka and Danielle Collins. Danielle Uh, Collins has never beat her. She played her in the U.S. Open so close. I thought she was going to do it. I was kind of rooting for her. I respect them both. I like them both. But I was like, come on, Danielle, let's do it. You're an American player. Let's go. Played college tennis, obviously. Mm -hmm. Couldn't quite get it done. So I kind of, I don't know if that's, you know, your standard tennis rivalry. But that's something that anytime I see them playing each other, I get excited. Because I like both their styles of play. I think they bring a lot of high energy and powerful aspects of their game and they're really fun to watch so i like that really looking forward to just seeing kind of what other rivalries come about if you know obviously we love it when the big three get to play each other that's that's huge obviously but seeing kind of some of these other you know newfound rivalries because obviously they're not going to be around forever rafa said he doesn't know when he's going to retire he doesn't know could be this year, could be next, like, we don't know. So just mm-hmm. kind of seeing kind of some of these new storylines develop. I'm really excited for that. Yeah. I mean, you said, you said, you don't know if it's a rivalry or not, you know what, totally defined by fan interest. If there's fan interest in a certain matchup and it happens more than once, boom, rivalry. So there we that's, go. <laughs> and that's one that uh, Sabalank and Collins, that's like, talk about just fire, fiery firepower, like man, huge hitting and just like, mm. So (laughs) competitive, feisty is the word a lot of people would use for sure. And just, yeah, ultra competitive. So that's, that's a great one. You know, Alcaraz center, like what a match that was the U S open. It would be great to see those guys 
play a little bit. And, you know, it'd be, again, I we everybody wants to see Alcaraz and Djokovic. Like, let's get a little rivalry going with the next gen and the, and the old guard before Djokovic is, you know, I think he's still got a few years to go. So we can, yeah. let's get that going. Let's get the match count up for those two. Because uh, that would be super fun to watch. So yeah, good, uh, good start. <laughs> I have uh, number five. I just have the Australian Open 2023. There we go. I love staying up to watch Australian Open tennis. You know, I, I really first started doing that in college with like my college tennis teammates. We would stay up. I remember watching like a Federer Djokovic. I think it was like a semi in 2015. And it, you just have like good memories of watching that late night tennis. Obviously in college, you're up at that time anyway. So it was a little easier than it is. <laughs> it's now a little that, easier than now. <laughs> yeah, now that I'm almost 30, but it is, uh, yeah, very fun to, uh, very fun to watch. And I kind of said it earlier, it's just like, you're, you're renewed your interest in tennis. You know, it's like, you're not burnt out. It's fresh start to the year. First major hasn't been one since September. So it's just kind of like, you're ready to see some like great tennis. And, uh, for whatever reason, the Australian open always has great finals. Like looking back on who Definitely. played in the men's and women's finals is is always like big names. You it it seems rarely do you have like an obscure like out of nowhere person. Um, so you know I think I think you had like like Kennan won it uh, a few years back, and then like in 2014 I think Lee Na won the women's. But like for the most part uh, on the men's it's like been the big three. On the on the women's you've you know had pretty um, established players winning it. So. And and that's kind of what I like to see to the start of the year. Just like, let's get the biggest names going head to head. Like, yeah, that Federer Nadal 2017 AO is still just like, that was the peak for me in my tennis <laughs> fandom. So I, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what we get out of this year's, this year's AO. And uh, I'll be staying up late covering it for tennis one. So yeah, yeah I, uh, I woke up at 1 PM today. So I'm, I'm already, <laughs> you know, it's qualities, it's qualities this week, but I'm already there. So yep. ready, ready to rock. Different sleep schedule for you. Nocturnal yes. this week. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a great, that's a great one. I, I agree with you. Um, I really enjoy the AO as well. So I put, um, we'll transition to, to my number four. I'm kind of looking forward to seeing if there are going to be, you know, any new up and comers kind of what Alcaraz did last year. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, like, obviously we know he was a great player before, but he just really like took off and it seemed to only go up obviously mm -hmm. end of the year at world number one, of course. Um, so I'm just really curious on both sides, both WTA and, you know, if Iga is going to keep, keep her power or if some of these other players are going to kind of creep up and, you know, give her, give her a run and some mm -hmm. of these tournaments. So I, I'm really excited to see just, yeah, any new up and comers. And I know we obviously covered the NCAAs for tennis one, and then you got to see Ben Shelton play at the Atlanta open and then just kind of seeing him crack into the top 100 already. I know he's in Australia. I saw something on social with him. So kind of players like that, I'm really looking forward to, and I love watching them. And obviously, you know, us being able to get close with him at the NCAAs, knowing what type of person and mm -hmm. you know, how, how his dad is as his, who was his coach and just how he was raised. And then to see him kind of come, oh, yeah. come into this great player that he's becoming it's players like that, that I'm really excited to see in 2023. So wholesome. So wholesome. Just that the, him and his dad, you're just like, wow, what a, that's just, that's the peak right there. Oh, the and nicest Madison, people. <laughs> it's like, it's like we plan this because my number four <laughs> is Ben Shelton upside. That's what I got at number four. Uh, 
like you said, it. you were you were there. He won the NCAA's uh, the singles title last year as a sophomore, I believe, right? Yes. For Univ- University of Florida, and uh, and then he got a wild card into the Atlanta Open, which I was at for tennis one, and you know he won his first pro match, like first try. He, he played uh, Ramanathan, I believe, from India, and and won the match. Pretty like you know, other than like right at the end, there wasn't a ton of drama. So it was like, wow, like he's, he's ready to roll. And then he played, I think in the next match, he played Isner and it, it went to like a third set tie break. The crowd was just like electric. He's <laughs> so fun to watch, like so athletic, hits big, charismatic, like just fist pumps galore, you know, like that was, that was awesome to see. And then after that, I was at um, Cincinnati watching uh, just I, I went with uh, my fiance Maggie and my aunt and he just works rude, like top five player. He just he beat him like three and three at Cincinnati, you know, like his, his first uh, Masters 1000. So like, geez, just huge upside. Unfortunately, he you know, he lost. He got a, a major wildcard U.S. Open lost to Nuno Borges from uh, Portugal who also played college tennis for Mississippi state. Uh, that was, that was a tight, tight match, but um, Shelton didn't get through. There was a lot going on. I think outside the court with, with Shelton, just like there's, you know, so much hype around the U S open. We talked about it with, with Serena, but like, you know, everybody's asking, Oh, who's in his box. What apparel brand is he going to sign with? What racket brand is he going to be switched? You know, is he going to switch or is he going to stick with the Onyx? Like, everybody's trying to get a piece of this, like, you know, shooting star basically. And uh, so, you know, that could be maybe tough to deal with uh, your, your first time playing U S open main draw, but uh, yeah, excited to see what he's got this year because he ended last year winning three challenger tournaments in a row, which I think it, it, he was like the youngest player to, to win three consecutive challengers. So strong finish to 2022 for him and uh, can't wait to see what, what he's got in, in 2023. Yes, I completely Ugh. agree. Yeah, he's a, so. he's a tennis one fan favorite for sure. So yes. we really enjoy watching him play. So we're kind of backtracking now. The transition isn't as smooth for me for this mm. one, but I'm going back. My number, <laughs> my number three is the Australian Open. Really okay. excited about it. Um, I'm excited to you know just kind of see like we talked about. Ash Barty's not there, so it's going to be a new WTA player being crowned Djokovic gets to play this year so that'll be different than last year obviously we talked about no Alcaraz so that's unfortunate but Rafa will be there you know getting to see some of these these top players all in the mix I'm I'm really looking forward to it and like you said it's such a fun way to start the year the players love it like everybody's in such a good mood it seems like mm-hmm. really looking forward to that so that's what I have for my number three yeah definitely it's uh we said it's a, it's a great start to the year awesome weather everybody's happy let's go pro tennis we're back let's go uh okay number three i have okay i have which top eight wta player wins their first slam besides Iga? obviously Iga's won slams but you know after Iga in the rankings you have jabur pagula garcia sabalenka sakari golf all these players that have never won a major uh and have all you know been in like I believe semifinals or better. Um, right. You know, obviously Jabur was in the U.S. Open final last year. Um, 
so yeah, these these players have been golf. Coco, I think, was in uh, Roland Garros final last yes. year too. And so you just you have all these players, and you know, Pagula just beat Sviantek two and two at the United Cup, which you know is an unusual. Uh, you know, Iga loses once in a while, not usually that bad. Um, Doesn't so, happen often. <laughs> yeah, and you know, and then Iga shortly after that pulls out of a tournament with, I believe, a right shoulder injury, which she's done that before in 2022. There, there was, um, I think, Madrid and uh, Berlin. She pulled out of with that, citing that same injury. So it's happened before. I'm sure she'll be fine. But yeah, I'm just kind of looking forward to. You know, I love when new players win their first slam. Like you're, you're looking for that moment, that celebration. Like you just want to see it. Like all these years of tennis finally paying off big time for him. So I'm looking forward to seeing which of the women uh, can do that in 2023. I love it. That's a yeah. great transition into my number two. You talked We're about, Jabour. We're you back. talked about on Jabour. I am yeah. so excited to see what she can do this year and being able to, again, we talk a lot about being at these tournaments and getting to speak with these players. She is one of the most wholesome and genuine amazing people that I've ever met. I, I was just like enamored by her getting to speak with her. She uses your first name when she talks to you. She's like making eye contact. She gives such great answers with so much insight. She's an incredible person and player. And I'm so excited. I think she's currently ranked number two. Yep. Like you yep. said, right behind Iga. Really excited to see what she could do. I would love to see her win a slam this year. I really yeah. hope that she does, Um, you know, got close a couple of times and and because she made the Wimbledon final Wimbledon, yeah that's right yeah that's right. and then U.S. Open too so just you know watching what she did in 2022 I really am excited to see her in 2023 and mm-hmm. like I said I, I really hope and wish her the best because she's such a fun player such a great person really excited for her so that was a great turn to transition <laughs> yeah definitely no she's uh as, as they call her the minister of happiness right she's just seriously <laughs> she's the best she just signed with uh osaka's talent agency evolve and like you know of course she's gonna post about it because it's her agency but naomi posts this really great story about first meeting odds and how comfortable she made her feel and how nice she was and just everything that you just said so yeah, she's yeah. she's definitely a player you root for and uh, been so close. So let's see if she can do it in, uh, yeah. in, in 23 here. We're ready. Uh, okay, I have for number two, top five moments of 2023. I have who's going to end the year number one on the men's side. Is it anyone besides Djokovic? <laughs> because that's a good question. I want to, you know, obviously Alcaraz ended the year number one. But if you just think like, okay, Djokovic didn't play Australian Open. He didn't play Indian Wells. He didn't play Miami. He won Wimbledon, but there were no points. He didn't play Cincinnati. You know, he didn't play the U.S. He didn't play any of the U.S. tournaments. Nope. And still with all this, he, he ends the year number five. So, and and basically doesn't lose a match to end the year in the tournaments that he did play post, post uh, U.S. swing. So, and he's, you know, coming out hot one Adelaide uh you know just this past weekend he beat Corda in the final he was down a match point and came back and won just typical Djokovic stuff so yeah it's just going to be interesting to me which just gets back to we got to see this Djokovic Alcaraz rivalry you want to see these we, guys like we need it we need it we got to see him competing for this number one ranking I don't like when somebody's at the number one spot but you just know in the back of your head well you know really like i didn't play this guy in this moment or you know wimbledon wasn't worth points or just whatever like i I want this to be like a very 
authentic year for rankings. And I want to know who's going to end the year on the men's side at number one. So yes. And like you said, with us authenticity, like we want to see the real, we want to see the real deal the whole year. Yes. That's what, that's what tennis fans want. That's what everybody wants 100%. In, all, in all sports that goes for all sports. So you never, you want to see the real deal. Yeah. Um, you touched on it a little bit. You talked about Sebi Corda. Yeah. My number one thing that I'm most excited for in 2023 is American tennis. Okay. I am so excited to see what these American players on both sides for WTA and ATP can do. I mean, mm -hmm. they're just on the climb. I feel like American tennis is changing as we know it. Obviously, there have been good players in the past, but to just see this strong group of Americans, uh, I'm super excited. We talked about quite a few of them earlier in this podcast, but I mean, for the women's side, Goff, Kagula, Keys. Obviously, mm -hmm. the United Cup Team USA just won, That's so right. uh, it's ex so exciting. And and that event was really cool. Like we've talked about seeing them combine WTA and ATP, and just seeing what they can do. And then obviously on the men's side, I, we just mentioned Corda. He's kind of on the upward climb, being able to play Djokovic in a final, a big mm -hmm. final. I mean, that was really exciting. Yeah. I've yeah. always really enjoyed watching him play. We talked about Fritz, Ben Shelton, obviously. Yep. And I'm just, yeah. And, and then Tiafo, I, yeah, I, yeah. I'm such a fan of him too. He is another genuine person. Oh yeah. So just seeing all of these American players on both sides, I'm really, really excited to see what they can do this year. And, and just with how a lot of them ended the year is, is amazing. And like you said, Pagula came on really strong. We have Coco Goff kind of on the upward climb as well. And then yep. the men, Fritz finishing in the top 10, Sebi Korda get, moving up in the rankings Ben Shelton in the top 100, huge. So really yeah. excited for that. Yeah, that's that's a great one. I mean, just to start the year, right? They, like you said, one United Cup, golf wins Auckland, I believe. Corda's yeah. in the final of Adelaide, almost wins it. Tiafa's clout is just like through the roof <laughs> after after his US Open run. I mean, like, yeah. it, it is crazy to see when like an, an American player, you know, for the first time does really well in the U S open and just like how much it gets talked about that. That was awesome. So yeah. And then Fritz, you know, we talked about the year he had already, but man, he had some huge wins in, uh, in United cup, like just finishing off beating Berrettini and in, in straights. I mean, it was, I think two tie break sets, but like still, uh, yeah, yeah. Fritz looks good. So yeah, it does so look does, really good. So does American tennis. So we'll see, uh, see what we got in, uh, 23. Number one, yep, I'm surprised I'm it's not on your list. I'm very <laughs> surprised, but the thing I'm most looking forward to is coming up in, what are we at, four days from now? Less less than four days? Breakpoint? Netflix? Oh, yeah. Tennis I, show? I'm surprised I forgot to put that too. No, that's that's okay. It's, it's on one of the lists, so we can, we can both talk about it. But, um, you know, really, I have number one as Netflix Breakpoint plus Challengers movie for which which people might not know the challengers movie is a tennis movie that i think is coming out in august and zendaya's in it and Ooh. she's playing tennis like she she trained i guess for three months to look like a pro tennis player now we'll see we'll see what happens with that it is a uh it's a it's a rom-com i believe and i think so we've had one of these before in tennis <laughs> and uh it's called was Wimbledon. that the Wimbledon <laughs> Wimbledon yep yeah and, uh, oh god it's uh it you know tough. 
I haven't seen it in many years, but I think that was on purpose. Uh, just watching it once, I, I just all I remember about it is I was like, these people are supposed to be playing at Wimbledon and they look like they've played tennis for one week in their lives. Right. So just anyway, yeah, that was, that was tough. So I'm excited to see, you know, like coming off King Richard, I was super impressed with, you know, obviously they use doubles and kind of the, right. the, the wide shots of the matches, but the form of the of that actress that played Venus Williams was just like spot she on. She was good. You know? Like that wristband. <laughs> yeah, I was like, geez, well done. So I'm excited to see what Zendaya's got in, in the movie she's going to be in. Um, Love her. <clears throat> Love her. She can do no wrong in my eyes. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, either way, I'll be I'll be I'll be seeing the movie. So <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't seen all of her work, uh, but I am well aware of how popular she is. And she's just like on a rocket ship right now. So cool that she's going to be in a tennis movie uh and and obviously the netflix show that's coming out you know everybody's talking about it right now i've seen some journalists that got screeners of the episodes and already got to watch them Ooh. now that said these are tennis reporters uh we ultimately want to just know what people that aren't familiar with tennis think of the show that is that is the biggest thing you know whether or not i like it is you know, I mean, obviously we want the tennis people to like it. So they go tell their non-tennis friends, you got to watch it. But if if there's going to be true word of mouth, the non-tennis fans have to like it. And uh, so I'm, I'm excited to watch it in a couple of days. Uh, the Me first too. six episodes, I think, coming out January yeah. 13th. And then the, the next, uh, I believe the back half of it, maybe six more episodes coming out in June ahead of Wimbledon, Wimbledon. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe after Roland Garros. So I think, it, yeah, I think yeah. it's end of June is what I saw. Okay. Yeah. I gotta, so. I gotta try to not binge it. I need to savor the episodes. I have a savor. problem with binging TV shows <laughs> yeah. and watching a whole series in one day. So we can't do, I want to savor this. So yeah. I'm going to try to do like an episode a night. So it gives me something to okay. look forward to. <laughs> well, let, let's just hit on that for a second. So Netflix is, is famous for binging, right? That's, that's what Netflix yes. is all about. Uh, but Hulu, I'm sorry, not Hulu, HBO. HBO Max, yes. you and I, big White Lotus fans. Yes. Uh, like that That seems to be the way to do it, you know, is like put these episodes out one week at a time, especially if there's only six or seven of them, which is is this case. Like let's, right. let's draw it out. Let's get, you know, let's allow, because we're going to be breaking it down on this podcast, the episodes. Like let's give people a chance to like, let's just talk about episode one. I don't want to feel pressure like, oh, we got to talk about one through three. You know, like, what do, yeah. what do you think about launching episodes one week at a time versus all at once? Well, I certainly think that when they do it one week at a time, it generates a lot more talk. Because yeah. let me tell you, I'm a Euphoria fan and Euphoria mm-hmm. Sundays on TikTok was like a it was insane. <laughs> it was like a little cult almost like yeah. everybody was talking about it. Same with white Lotus. They mm-hmm. release their episodes every Sunday. And then the next day on TikTok, you would just see all these theories, fan things. Granted, this is more, you know, reality. It's a documentary series. So it's a little, a lot more real than white Lotus or euphoria was, but I still think that the one week per episode, like you said, is the way to do it. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Like so much space for more talk. Like you said, who, where do you even start if all six episodes are out and you're like, Oh, well now I like, do I have to just talk about my favorite thing from the whole show? Or can I just like, remember an episode one when, and people are like, no, I don't. Cause I already watched, you know, <laughs> two through six. six in. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, uh, so, uh, 
yeah, I kind of wish they they would do it one one episode at a time, but Agreed. that's not that's not currently Netflix's uh, strategy, I guess. So no, but either way, excited thing. to see what that can do for tennis. So that was very my, excited. That was my number one. That's a great one. That's a great number one. Yeah, really excited. I hope it brings you know the same viewership as the Formula One show did because I loved the Formula One show. Don't I could care less to be honest about before that I could care less about Formula mm-hmm. One. Obviously yeah. I, I look at it differently now, but after that show, it really, and I think it did that for a lot of people. Like, I don't think it had yeah. near the fan base that it did before that show came out. So I'm really hopeful and optimistic for tennis's sake that more people will love it the way that we do. Yeah, totally. I, I think I said to you the other day, like before this drive to survive show, I feel like the only reference to F1 in American culture was like <laughs> in Talladega nights with Sasha Baron Cohen's character, you know, I can't even remember what he was called, but you know, Ricky, Ricky Bobby's rival in that show. So yeah. Amazing what that show did for F1. I have friends that are like spending big money to go to these races. Uh, you know, there was actually one in Miami open right after we were, um, Laura and I, our colleague were there last year and it was cool to see him building right. that. And then to, to watch it just like so much hype around those races and stuff now. And, you know, that's an individual sport. So Again, I think I think it can, you know, be the same for tennis where it's, you know, people are sort of fascinated with individual sports. So I completely agree. We'll see. Uh, okay. That was that was our list. What what'd you think, Madison? <laughs> I think that was that was a great way to kind of kick off this tennis one podcast and kick off the year of tennis. Look back on 2022, reflect and kind of regroup and then give give you our insights and kind of predictions and hopes for this coming tennis season. Cause we got a lot ahead of us. Yeah. Long lot. year ahead of us. A lot of tennis, a lot of tennis. And for you and I, a lot of podcasts, uh, a I lot think of we podcasts. have like, this is number one. I think we have like seven <laughs> episodes planned for, for January. So going from zero to seven, this is a, uh, this is ambitious, but I think we can do it. We can do it. I think we can Definitely. do it. So the, the next episode guys, uh, just so you know, we're going to be talking about the Australian open. So draw is going to be coming out. In a few days, uh, qualies are going on right now. So we're in the U.S. I believe the main draw will probably start Saturday night for us. So we're going to try to get a preview out to you guys at the end of this week. Kind of looking yeah. forward ahead for that. And then shortly after that episode, we're going to be talking about Breakpoint. You know, every everybody's going to be talking about it. <laughs> we're doing the same because yes. let's let's promote the hell out of this thing. Like this is what tennis needs. So we need it. Yeah. We're ready for it, too. Very yeah. exciting things to come. Yep. Yeah, we're, we're very happy about this podcast and we thank everybody for tuning in um, for this very first episode and we hope you enjoy and we'll make sure to, you know, try to get you guys involved for future episodes. We obviously love to hear from our fans and you guys are great about, you know, reaching out on social media and everything. So we would like to incorporate you any questions that you have obviously in the podcast in the future. So we're excited about this. Yeah, definitely. If you guys, we're going to be doing a, a mailbag towards the uh, end of, of future episodes. Obviously, this is the first episode, so no mailbag. But if you do have questions, comments, anything you want us to shout out during our podcast, there's a section underneath this in the app that you can comment. So send us your comments there. You could also reach out to us on our Tennis One app social media channels. We're on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, you know all the, all the, the main channels. And, uh, and then Madison and I also have our own social media. So, uh, Madison golden spelled like it sounds and Patrick normal spelling 
K-U-H-L-E is how you spell my last name. So we're on, we're on Instagram, Twitter, hit us up on there as well. But yeah, we're looking forward to doing these shows and talking with you guys. And, you know, we're going to have guests eventually as, as all podcasts do. Uh, these are going to be people from the industry, whether they work at companies like Wilson or they pro players that we interview at tennis tournaments or tournament directors, just kind of anybody that's involved with the sport. Uh, that's who we want to talk to and uh, kind of give you guys a, a behind the scenes look. So we'll be doing guests, mailbag, and like I said, AO recap coming in a few days. We're ready. Well, thank you everyone again. And we look forward to the future of this podcast in 2023. Dennis Podcast, we're signing off, episode one. Thanks, guys.